I love it though, because ever since finishing college sports, I'm sure you feel the same. Like every time you go out for a meet day or you go out for a tennis match, you have these butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. And you don't get that nearly as much once you've graduated or finished your, your competitive right. sports. So this is one of the few times I get that to a high degree during the year. And it ended up going down to a couple of chip offs. And then we made it to the final round. I ended up losing at the very end. But that was one of the highlights of my golf year last year. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Golfers Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Noah, and our guest today is my friend, Lane. And Lane, just so you know, generally how I have guests introduce themselves on the podcast, I want you to say your name. It doesn't have to be your full name, so nobody tracks you down, but just your name, um, how long you've been playing golf, and then your handicap. Yeah, for sure. Th thanks for having me, Noah. Excited to learn a little bit more about the golf world and, and be on a podcast for the first time. My name is Lane. Like you mentioned, I grew up in California, but I didn't really jump into golf until COVID struck. And as a tennis player, competitive tennis player growing up, I, I was more in, in the ball hand-eye coordinated sports that were away from the golf course. Golf was something that my grandpa, and my dad played, but growing up, I didn't really have the time to do that. And uh, being distracted with tennis, my my family, we didn't really play too much, if any, golf at all. Uh, but then when COVID struck, you couldn't do too many things. I was dealing with a few injuries on the tennis side. It was just after my junior year of college that COVID hit. So I came back home and my family ended up uh, heading out and and going to a resort at one point over the summer where we played a little golf. Uh, and we can jump into that story and, and what really kicked off this whole golf expedition for myself later. But uh, that was, what, three years ago, almost four years ago now. And, and now I'm sitting at about a 3.5 handicap. So made, made some good progress since then. Love that, man. Yeah, not a, not a lot of people can, can point to such a rapid decline in the handicap like you. So I'm, so I'm excited to chat. And just for maybe our newer listeners who maybe this is their first time listening, just a reminder or a refresh on like what this podcast is. So generally, you know, everyone, golf is very interesting to me, right? Because everyone who plays it or like a lot of people who play it, they don't just like play. I find that like golfers are just like a, truly addicted to this sport and this like quest to like could ever like, because your game is never perfect, right? That you can always try and get better. And it's just like this never ending quest to see how low you can shoot, whatever. And then there's this other side to it where you go play golf with someone for four hours on a golf course, like you complete stranger, automatic, your buddy, you're automatically your buddies afterwards. Or if like, you're just having small talk with people, you find out the other person golfs, you have endless things to talk about. So it's <laughs> this like tribe of people that truly just love golf. And I think a lot of people have very unique reasons for either how they got into golf, why they play and just like all that stuff. Um, so in this podcast, I bring on someone new every week. We chat for like 30, 45 minutes just about, you know, some of their favorite golf memories, how they got in a sport and just, you know, the game that we all love. Um, so with that, let's start lane with how you made this, you know, transition from a division one tennis player over to now a, a three handicap. Yeah, for sure. So, so as you mentioned, I was a D1 tennis player and, and that comes generally for people who are very competitive in general. So my family, 
all tennis players. My brother was also a college athlete and I had two brothers who were very competitive growing up and we would talk shit with each other, lots of trash talk, no matter what the games were, but we didn't play golf really uh, until COVID hit. And the reason I particularly started diving into golf was one of our brothers had gone to a golf camp two years okay. prior. And when we went to this resort and had a golf course on it, the whole family went out to play. And this brother, he has, he has a tendency to be a little bit full of himself and think he's <laughs> a little better than he actually is at some sports that we play. And one of the greatest satisfactions I get in life is when I can compete against a player in tennis and golf and any other sport who thinks they're a lot better than they actually are and bring them down a peg. And in this case, I'd never played golf really. And my brother had gone to this camp. So he was by far the best out of me and my, my, my other brother. And he started giving me and my other brother pointers after we were missing golf shots. And like just unsolicited comes up after we whiff a ball and he's like, dude, you should do this. But it wasn't in the friendly, supportive sort of way. It was kind of with this air of, air of uh, I won't go as far as arrogance, but just, just a little bit too much for my liking. So after that round of golf, I basically set a goal to be better than him within the next month. And I was going to play every single day or every other day. I was going to go down and keep in mind, this was during COVID. So I had Nothing a bunch of time <laughs> summer. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I had just decided that I was going to take the year off from school to do some work instead of going back uh, to the East Coast. Do some do work? You mean just play golf? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> there was a lot of golf, but I was working. I was working hard. But my activity, instead of being tennis, because I was hurt at the time, was going over to the golf range and I'd putt or hit or chip for at least an hour and a half, almost every single day. And so I think that was a huge part of why I started getting very better, uh, much better very quickly, was I started getting a feel for the ball. I started videotaping my swing, like all those crazy people out on the range with cameras, uh, started getting speed control on the putting, chipping. And I think, you know, regardless of who you are, if you put in time, you're going to get much better at something. So right. needless to say, within about a month, I was better than my brother. And at that point, I'd caught the bug and wanted to keep improving. <laughs> so uh, so when your brother went to this like golf camp, you know, how, like what, I guess one, what does a, a golf camp look like? <laughs> and then two, how good was he, you know, at the time after like when, when he was trying to give you guys these pointers? Yeah, for sure. I, I would guess that he was probably about a 20 handicap. That might even be a little generous. He might have been higher. Uh, but this golf camp was just something he did when he was 13, 14. And my mom oh, okay. was looking to set us up with some sports camps over the summer. So it wasn't right. anything crazy. She just threw him into it and he learned a little bit technique. Right. That makes sense. Um, so my two other guests that I've had on the pod before you both came from baseball backgrounds. So can you talk a little bit about how obviously the hand eye or the, the ball and stick element is, is translates from from tennis to golf. But can you speak at all about if there were any like similarities that helped you out going from tennis to golf or you think um, it was mainly just kind of athleticism that, that helped you out? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the most frustrating thing about going from tennis to golf is that the golf ball is not moving. And it seems mm -hmm. like it's even more difficult to control the ball than it is on the tennis court where it's flying at you 120 miles an hour on the serve, 80 miles an hour during ground stroke rallies, and I can still control the ball very well. So I think initially it was just trying to figure out if I swing this way, where does the ball go? If I swing steep, does it go left to right? Um, and getting a touch for the ball, that, that is the hardest piece because ball striking, you can't play golf unless you can drive. 
And so trying to get some sense of where the ball is going is huge. As a tennis player, you generally, this, I told you this, uh, another conversation we had, but the hips thing totally messed with me in golf. <laughs> when I like, I started diving into golf and I was looking at all these YouTube videos and all these instructors are like, fire your hips, fire your hips, get your body through it. That's how you generate speed. And so I spent my first year of golf basically trying to figure out how to get my hips to fly through the shot. <laughs> and at some point I was just like, screw this. I'm going to hit the shot like I would a backhand where my hips okay. are closed and I just let the club fall through the same way I would think of a backhand coming through. So if I want to hit a draw, I'm going to hit it from the inside, but I'm not thinking about my hips, just swinging from the inside. And then if I want to hit a slice, I'm cutting from the outside like a tennis slice. Probably should have done that sooner, but when I jumped into golf, I saw this instructional content. I was like, "No, no, that can't be right." Love it, man. Um, all right, I'm gonna. We're so we're gonna. So you thought of it as like more so hitting a backhand. Love that. Um, and you mentioned so it took you about a month to get back to get or not. Uh, took you about a month to get to where your brother was at the time, and then you started getting the bug at that time. Like when you first started playing, was it mainly that? you know, your brothers were playing and you wanted to beat them or were you also kind of becoming a, you know, golf fan, watching more golf and things like that? Not really a golf fan. I'm, I'm somewhat of an obsessive personality. Once I find something that I'm, I'm dedicated to or something that I want to disprove, then I kind of go after it. So once my brother ticked me off, I dove full board into this basically just to beat him. Yeah. And that, that, that was the main motivator probably for the first three months was just to keep separating the two of us uh, skill wise. And it wasn't until after probably month two or three that I started watching a lot of golf and then enjoying it for more than just purely getting better skill wise. Right. That makes sense. Um, so when yeah. did you start to see your game really improve then? Yeah. So when I first started playing, it was after that resort we went to and my teammates, my brother and I moved down to San Diego, just Airbnb in an apartment. There are a bunch of golf courses close by and we were working there remotely. They were playing tennis. I wasn't. So I would go play golf while they were playing tennis training for the upcoming year. And I, like I said, go to the range, putt every single day. That probably dropped me to like a 15 handicap, just jumping right. into YouTube videos and getting somewhat of a feel for the ball. I made another big jump in my game when my folks, they ended up getting a place down in Palm Springs that was basically right next to a golf course. And so spent a little bit of time out there after the two months in San Diego with my teammates. And like, then I was literally right on a range, right on a putting green. Right. So I dropped down to like a six handicap after three months because I had, you know, again, the course right there. So right. that obviously is a game changer for anybody, right? Of course. And you've, you've told me before that you saw, you know, you saw a really big improvement once you got better at course management and you have like a specific, uh, you know, course management system that, that you go by. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for bringing that up. That was probably another reason why I dropped down to the six was this thing called Decade. Your viewers should definitely check it out. Whoa, I think. Lane, no, no, no free ads. No free ads. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, I mean, he does. Uh, I've gotten the paid program and I've also watched all the free content. I probably got 90% of the information for free just scouring the internet for YouTube content and graphs. So, I mean, the basic gist is out there, but basically the, the high level idea is you're very aggressive off the tee. 
you try to hit driver or three wood minimum on almost every single hole. And then you're very conservative into the greens. So you're not necessarily aiming for the middle, but pretty close to the middle on almost every approach shot. So once, once you started paying attention to decade, that's when you really saw like a, a big jump. Yeah. 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 I'd say once I had my ball striking somewhat clean because you can't really follow a decade system if your dispersion is all over the place. Right. Uh, and it was great. I think a big part of decade two was understanding that where you're aiming is different than where you're lined up. So in my case, because I was a tennis player, I was slicing. That's my general tendency is to slice. And so understanding that if I line up, I should probably be lining up, you know, about, I mean, I put my fingers up sometimes when I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the fairway. It's like, all right, if my drive is going to fade or slice two fingers to the right, then I got to line up about two fingers left of where I want to hit the ball. So I, I would tell people now, if, if you're like a 15, 20 handicap, we did this, but like you go to the simulator and you get your dispersion for all your clubs and it makes it so much easier when you're out on the golf course to then say, okay, if I hit at this target right here, what's the the shotgun pattern of possibilities for where my ball could go. And so if there's an, a hazard on one side, then you obviously want to move that shotgun pattern over so that you don't get as many penalty strokes. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I want to talk about that. And just so, so the audience knows. So Lane one day and Lane and I used to be roommates. So Lane, Lane comes into the room one day and he's like, no, I, I have this idea. <laughs> would, would you be willing to like come to the simulator with me? And I'm like, and he's like, I'll pay for it. I'm like, Oh dude, if you're going to pay for the simulator, I'm, I'm there in a minute. So, so we go down to the simulator in downtown Boston and he's basically like, all right, you're going to hit like every club in the bag, like 10 to 20 times. Um, and we only, I think we had like an hour or something like that. And that's a lot of swings in an hour. So you're just like rifling through every club in the bag. Um, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit about like why we did that and like kind of what, what like idea you had or like app idea you kind of had that, that was the driving force behind that. Yeah, for sure. So this was all based off of the app 18 birdies, fantastic app, another free ad, but like it's fantastic. If you're out on the golf course, basically tells you the distance to every single hole based on where you are GPS wise. The problem I have with it is that, and this is tied in with Decade. Decade basically tells you where you should aim on the green based on what pros dispersions are. So a pro dispersion from 100 yards might be like 20 yards left to right. The further back you go, all the way back to driver, the average dispersion for a pro is 65 yards wide. So you can take the the average dispersions of the pros as a golfer, Or what you can do, which is a more customized approach, is go to a golf simulator, figure out what your personal dispersions are per club, so that when you go out onto the golf course, you can basically choose the target that will result in the the highest or the lowest expected strokes to hole out. So, sorry, (laughs) getting a little technical. No, no, I I love it. I love it. Yeah, basically, you want to put your shotgun pattern of where you're, say it's a pitching wedge you're never going to hit your pitching wedge to the exact same yardage every time. There's going to be a range from the shortest to the longest of where you'll carry that and then left to right. And so it's going to end up looking like a shotgun and where you aim your pitching wedge should perfectly put that shotgun over the area of the green where you'll have the lowest expected strokes to hold out. So if it's a really big green, you might want to have that shotgun pattern actually far off the middle of the green because if you land that shotgun around the flag and it's on a huge green, you'll have a better strokes to hole out than if you aim that shotgun for the middle of the green, because you'll have right. some 40 foot putts as opposed to a bunch of 20 foot putts. Most of the time it's taking into 
the bunkers, the green that's short of the, or sorry, don't the want to be short sided. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Short sided. So that's the idea as a whole is figuring out your dispersions and where you should aim so that you have the best possible outcome, regardless of where you hit it. And that actually, it frees me up a ton when I go to the golf course, because now I can just commit to a target, know that the chips are going to fall as they fall with where my ball is going to go. I don't have that much control over it. Then I can just feel good that, Hey, as long as I committed to the swing, you know, shit's going to happen sometimes. And other times I'm actually going to have a ball that ended up on the right side of my dispersion when a flag's like right next to the water and I get lucky, but (laughs) I'm aiming, I'm aiming for a spot that as a whole will result in the best outcome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And so what we did, Lane was kind enough to give me essentially like a little card. So we, we were playing the golf the next day. Shout out Franklin Park Municipal Golf Course. Great golf course if you're in the Boston area. Um, but he gave me this little card that mapped out essentially the highs and lows or basically the ranges of high and low of how far my ball was going to go with each club and then the, the dispersion right to left. Um, and Lane was essentially like my somewhat of a caddy throughout the round um helping me pick what shot and we're like where are you just going by what the card said essentially and i shot the best round of my life i shot 81 that day um and partially lane found he was like a lane i will say you've got like the best eye for uh like golf balls i've ever seen in my life lane found like three balls i had like no idea where they are and i'm probably the worst person at finding my ball after i hit it off the tee um but like lane probably saved me like three shots just by like tracking my ball down but um I don't know. Again, like I'm going to give a lot of credit to actually having the numbers and then I'll give some credit to my swing being in good shape. But like, I feel like once I had that better grasp of actually like where I should be aiming, like I played a pretty consistent good run of golf after that too. Like it wasn't just a one-time thing. Um, so I do think everybody should at least at the very least, if you're not going to have like your dispersion left to right, like you got to know how far you're hitting the ball. Cause like even me compared to what I hit in the sim that day, I feel like my, in my head, I was like, oh, like, it's probably like, like there was no, no club every time I, that it was 150 yards that I was definitely going to hit. Like it was like, ah, you know, maybe I'll hit this, maybe I'll hit this, but you have to know really how far your clubs go. Totally. I absolutely agree. And it doesn't have to be in a simulator. The simulator is best, but you could go to the range and, and just laser gun what your carry distance is. Or right. look at 18 birdies and you can see, put the dot wherever the flag is on the range uh, to see your distance there too. Totally. Cool, man. Well, I know we can change topics here a little bit, but you to go back to you um, having competition with your brothers, is there a certain game you guys like to play on the golf course or any type of you know gambling you'll, you'll get up to out there? I mean, to be honest, my, my brother who initially gave us the pointers stopped having as much interest in golf once my other brother <laughs> and I surpassed him. So it's more casual and you'll have a beer out on the golf course when he's playing. I generally do compete with my other brother and my dad now when we go out onto the golf course. And then it's Wolf or we'll do this three-person variation where you get points adding up to nine and you kind of split it up based on who got first, second, third. Very nice. We still – we. We still got to get out there and play uh, Wolf Hammer someday. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, that's most, another most, level. <laughs> the most hectic game you could you can play on the golf course. Yeah. Um, very cool. So nine point system or just like a, a Wolf game. Very fun. Very fun. Um, is there a well? I guess two two part question. What is the best round of your life, 
or the round you're most happy with. Doesn't have to be your lowest score by any means. Or and then on top of that, is there like one you know shot that you've hit where it's like that's that's the best shot of my life? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'd say the round I was proudest of was probably so this was about three months into playing golf, and I played lights out. Uh, my swing did not look pretty, but I was just making clean contact that day and I didn't make any mistakes. And I shot a 75 uh, on like a 6,700 yard course. So that was sick. That was the best round of my wow. life. To that That's point. awesome. Um, and Where was that? That was here in Palm Springs. So nice course. We were out with a couple friends and it was funny because it was my dad, me and two others and my dad and I were playing against them and my handicap at the time was a seven and they got all pissed off that I shot a 75 with a seven, <laughs> seven handicap. <laughs> so I'd say that that was pride, a lot of pride uh, for shooting solo at that point. But best round to date has probably been, that was more recently, a, a month or two ago, I shot one under par and I'd never broken par before. Oh, dude, yeah. I didn't know that. Congrats. Yeah, no, that, that was a big deal. I, a big goal That's of mine was awesome. a big par. So it took six birdies to get there, but <laughs> it happened, man. <laughs> Well, dude, that's, that's the thing. It's obviously like, I feel like the, the level of golf I'm at right now, I'm like a 13 and like this summer I went from like an 18 to a 13. I feel like when you're in the low teens, it's like you're seeing very rapid improvement, but then obviously it gets harder and harder to get better. And now that you've broken par, like what, what's the next goal? You know, like, I feel like that's like one of those like bucket list things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like the next goal is to get to scratch. So like I've broken okay. par, but generally speaking, I'm I'm highly variable. I'm shooting all right. over the stage. <laughs> so I get I could shoot an 84, 85 one day and then shoot even to two over par another day. And this was a fluke one that was a one under par. So I feel like consistency is is probably the the future, trying to get down to scratch. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's funny you bring up um, shooting 75 as a seven handicap. Um, did you ever meet my friend, Matt? We, oh, that's who we played at Franklin park with. Yeah. Um, so I had Matt on the show and Matt was saying that he, when I think it was, he was a sophomore in high school. Um, so we're like, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old. He won the Brookline Muni club championship because <laughs> he, was an 18 handicap at the time and he shot 79. So that was like a net 59. Everybody was like livid. <laughs> he like blew out the field. Yikes. <laughs> um, so, so that was kind of funny. Um, made me think of that. But so I know, so now that you've broken par, congrats. That's awesome. Um, is there a, is there like a shot that you've ever hit? It doesn't have to be from your best round, just like of all time where like, Hey, that was like the best shot I ever hit. Yeah, I've, I've never hit a hole-in-one. I'd say the, the best shot I ever hit was probably drivable par four, and I knocked it on to two and a half, three feet. So that – Did that, you make the putt? <laughs> that was a nice, yeah, eagle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely didn't didn't have to work for that eagle. Haven't had an eagle in, in probably two years now, but <laughs> that was – Really, dude? The, the, how long you hit it? You haven't had an eagle in that long? Yeah. No, probably not. It's been a long time. I had a wow. flurry early on. Wait, 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 wait. You got to go wait. Now I'm just, it's just now clicking in my mind. You had six birdies when you shot one under. I did. Yes. Yeah, Dude, actually, that, sorry, that, I, I'll take that back. No, I had, I had a 
I had three Eagles in one round last year, but that's because the par fives were like par fours. And I played okay, okay. that round. Yes. But this this round I shot one under with six birdies. And then I had Dude, a your, few your card must have been all over the place. It was all over. Yeah. It, it was nuts. But when I play now, I generally I just try to go for birdies because that's right. the whole the whole fun with every round is trying to get one under par in any hole. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we already, we've spoken about like your, your course management already. Um, you're obviously a very good golfer. Do you have any like quirky routines on the golf course or is there like anything that'll like, you know, like superstitious at all or like anything that could potentially like get in your head at all while, while you're playing? Hmm. I'd say as a tennis player, sometimes when I, there was a period where I drive and I was doing those speed sticks for some yep. time. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Phil Mickelson or Dustin Johnson. It's basically three weighted clubs at different different weights. And you go out and you swing them two or three times, two or three times a week. It's like basically strength training, mm-hmm. but in order to increase your swing speed. And so I did that for a few months last year. And when I go out into the golf course as a way of warming myself up, I would do the same swing speed routine two or three times with my driver before actually hitting the ball. But more quirky than that is I, as a tennis player, before you return, you always shuffle your feet, kind of getting okay. ready to return, activate uh, so you can move quickly. And before I drive, that was my way of kind of like setting my, <laughs> my feet is I'd shuffle them back and forth, back and forth, and then I'd pop the ball. I don't do that there anymore, but it was probably <laughs> pretty odd. I got a lot of looks on the first tee box. Something, something I know about you, you're a, you're a double glover. Sometimes you'll have a two, like you'll have the double glove on the, on the left hand. (laughs) It's probably from the simulator time. I'd get blisters everywhere. So I'd tape up both hands and the extra glove was protection. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to find the right. I mean, I don't have any more right-handed gloves, but it's nice when you do have it. If you are going after the swings. Yep. A hundred percent. Awesome, man. Um, any like, what's your like go-to um, snack on on the golf course? How are you? How are you staying fueled out there when you're when you're shooting one under? <laughs> I'm not. I'm usually not eating anything on the golf course. I'll drink a lot of water, uh, unless you're at Franklin Park and <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they run out of water and you slug yeah, a Pepsi not- after six yeah. holes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but usually fast through the round. Very nice. Um, all right. So pivoting a little bit, generally when people come on, I like to p- propose a would you rather question. Last two episodes, I did the same would you rather question, but this time we're going we're gonna to mix it up. And I have two of them for you. Um, so the first one is, would you rather play Augusta one time and, you know, never get back on, never have any chance of going back on, and you can't even go to the Masters if you got tickets. Or you get to play Pebble once a year for the rest of your life. I'd take Pebble in a heartbeat. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't think the course matters as much to me as who I'm playing with and, and how you play that day. So I, I'd much rather have more memories with friends or family on the golf course than one it's very special memory. All right. I respect it. And then my second would you rather question. This one we'll probably have a little bit more discussion about. So would you rather never three putt again 
Um, so it's either a two putt or a one putt, but you lose driver from the bag. So, so it's, it's one or the I, other. I phrased it wrong. So it's like you either. So it's like, would you do this? Like, would you, you know, take that on? Never three putt again, but you lose driver from the bag. Um, hmm. I mean, driver is probably my favorite club in the bag. So I. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't really want to give that up. And as a tennis player, I like actually hitting things. Putting isn't right. the most exhilarating part of the game to me. Although my score would probably improve, honestly, if it was just three wood every single time I teed off and I never three putted. So <laughs> I'm going to go for what's fun instead of what's probably more logical for improving my yeah. score. Yeah, you got to go with the enjoyment play. Like if like there was a time in my golf career where like I was so bad with driver, like every single time I'd go through, it was like a top, automatic top. I, was like, so, I had the yips with the driver. So then I would just like rip a six iron as hard as I could off the tee. I'm like, sure it was like in the fairway but like the raw enjoyment you get of like just going up and with a driver in your hand and then god forbid you hit it good oh, can't can't beat it i'd say scaling your game too if you're gonna keep playing golf i'd hope your putting gets to the point where you almost never three putt but you're never gonna get your swing speed high enough where the three wood's gonna go as far as the driver so unless I, your name's uh josh pang <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. well, the, swing, the swing path is a little off then but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd keep that. Love it. Um, okay. So you said you're more so, um, you started out not really as like a golf fan. You were kind of just like obsessed with it because you wanted to beat your brother. Um, but now I guess, you know, I, we've obviously spoken about golfers before. I know you follow it a little bit. Do you have like a favorite golfer? Anybody catch anybody you like watching? hundred percent. Rory McIlroy by far. When, when I when I hop into anything new, my way of learning anything is I look for who the best people in the game are, and the people I want to emulate. And I start without looking at any instructional content, just watch that person do stuff. And hopefully some mirror neurons kick in or I start like naturally picking up on some things and I'll play for a little bit before doing anything. And so I watched his swing more than almost anybody else over the last right. couple of years. And now before I go out to play around after not having played for a bunch of months, he's the guy I watch. And honestly, I usually play a pretty good round after not having played <laughs> just by watching him. Uh, because something about the swing makes me feel like I'm doing stuff like him. Yeah. Even though most definitely not. So, <laughs> I mean, dude, uh, Tiger Woods, I think, because uh, obviously, you know, so much attention on Charlie Woods. I think someone asked Tiger like, do you try and have Charlie emulate your swing? And he's like, oh, no, I tell him to watch Rory swing. <laughs> he's like, I don't swing like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's a freak. He's so flexible to get his arms where they are in those positions, but beautiful to watch. Uh, that That's the one guy I'll look up highlights on all the time. If I'm going to watch golf. I just want to watch Rory. Yeah, 100%. Maybe. He, needs to, he needs to get back in the winner's circle in a major sometime soon. Yeah, he's always there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, do you do you have any thoughts on um, John Rom going over to live? I feel like we haven't uh, had the chance to to chat about that. I I haven't really been following super closely on that front. I I'd say the one thing about live golf which I have actually appreciated is that considering how few events those golfers are now playing, one golfer I, I like looking up content on is Bryson, just because he's so technical about the game. You can think what you mm -hmm. want about his personality and his stances on stuff, but the guy gives tons of free, incredible content away for right. free. 
And his main reason, I think, according to him for joining Live, is that he feels like he can have a bigger impact on recreational golfers by having more money and more free time to produce this content. So like, if you haven't already, I'd, I'd check out his channel. He's got a bunch of amazing videos on putting, the swing. He breaks down a bunch of mechanics. So that's been a boon. But other than that, I haven't followed too closely on the politics I live. I know it's pretty controversial. Uh, and I don't watch John Rahm a ton, so <laughs> can't give you much color on that. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, all right, let me see if there's anything we missed here. Um, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll hit you with one more question. Do you have, like, anything? I know I asked, like, what the next goal is, um, and you said getting down to scratch, but is there anything else, like, on your you know, quote unquote, we'll call it like a golf bucket list, like a, a trip you would like to go on or just like, you know, things you'd like to, to do in golf that, that you're kind of reaching for. No, I mean, I feel like when I first set out to play, it was yes, to beat my brother. And then I set the goal of a five handicap. And then I set the goal of even par. So like, I feel like honestly, I'm kind of at the tail end of what I actually want to do in golf goal wise. And right. now it's more just spending time with friends, family, having a fun time out there, kind of like on the tennis court. I'm, I'm not really trying to get better anymore, but I'll go out right. there and play with, you know, my family every time we get together uh, because my uncles love tennis and that, that brings me a lot of joy. So it's yeah, something man. now that I can, I can share with a lot of friends and, and hopefully for a long, long time, which is, special. yeah, that that's very wholesome of you. Um, something uh, that just popped back into my mind that um, I was thinking about. So have you ever heard of the 75 day hard? No. So basically what it is, I don't know, somebody made it up. It's like a fitness challenge, right? It's like, you got to do two workouts a day, drink a gallon of water, read X amount of pages of a nonfiction book, um, keep to a diet, things like that. Um, and I want to do like a 75 day golf. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like a 13 handicap right now. If I similar to what you did when you first started playing. Like if I at least do an hour of putting, chipping or range every day, play nine or 18 holes a week, um, read books about the mental game of golf, do workouts specifically around swing speed and things like that. How good can I get at golf? Um, so I might have to get your, uh, I might have to get those drills you were doing when you, when you were grinding out there at the beginning for, for an hour and a half a day. I mean, if you spend an hour a day, hour and a half a day for 75 days you should check out scratch to scratch is a youtube channel where a guy's basically dude i'm i'm trying to get him on on this show <laughs> i want to hear his story yeah but I, I i totally think you could get down very quickly honestly if you like consistently do it and then you play rounds over the weekends so that all the work right. you're doing is immediately followed up with playing around i think you drop yeah sub 10 over just those 75 days that's a dream, man. Yeah. And then we'll, and then we'll go back to Franken park and I'll, and I'll shoot 79 <laughs> instead of, instead of 81 could have had it, but yeah, I, I think that's very reasonable. All right, yeah. man. I, thanks dude. So I think, I think we hit everything I wanted to cover anything else, you know, about your, your golf life that, that you think's worth, worth bringing up or should we, should we wrap it up? Uh, no, I, I mean, my favorite, my favorite memory to date probably is a tournament that I played with my dad. And th those are probably my golf highlights each year as we play one tournament together each year now since I started. Right. 
like I said, the the family, the friends, those memories are the best going forward. So we uh, we play these events where you have the net score, and then if you're the winner in one of these flights, you go into a horse race, which is like, have you? you what is a horse race, race, dude? So basically, you have ten flights of golfers in some of these tournaments. And at the end, the winner of each flight comes into this playoff series called a horse race, where you have all the teams set up on the first tee box and everyone plays alternate shots. So your partner hits the drive, then you hit the approach shot, then they hit the right. first, then you hit the second putt. Yeah. And people tend to fall apart <laughs> on these playoff <laughs> goals. And you'll see people hit in the water, they'll then four putt on the green. And hundreds of people. So we we did this at a country club at a country club here in Palm Springs, and there are a hundred people out there watching this playoff. So people are so nervous. Dude, that's intense, yeah. man. Yeah, I I love it though because ever since finishing college sports, I'm sure you feel the same. Like every time you go out for a meet day or you go out for a tennis match, you have these butterflies in your stomach. Yeah, and you don't get that nearly as much once you've graduated or finished your your competitive right. sports. So. This is one of the few times I get that to a high degree during the year. And it ended up going down to a couple of chip offs. And then we made it to the final round. I ended up losing at the very end. But that was one of the highlights of my golf year last year. So, Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. A horse race. I've never heard of that. Yes. You got, you got to try a tournament at one point that has a horse race at the end. So, so are you and your dad doing, have you already done, or I guess it's the middle of winter. Um, do you already have the one, the tournament picked out for this summer? So we, we actually played one just this past weekend. Uh, out Did here. it have a horse race? This was the horse race. We ended up making the horse race. And unfortunately I got to the first green. There were four teams and our group, they, they had 12 teams. So they all started off four teams on each set of tees before they brought them all together, but yeah. got to the green. Somehow everybody was on the green in regulation, which never happens. In, in alt shot? Uh, in alt shot. Yeah. Wow. And there were all these, all these people watching and somehow nobody choked. Get onto the green. My dad had to lag a 35 foot putt. And it went like 10 feet by the hole. I missed the comeback he made. So we bogeyed. But there were two guys who had three foot putts for par and they both missed. <laughs> so then we went to a chip off and I duffed a chip. What and does the chip off look like? You just go from like 30 yards or something like yeah, that? Basically, you find a spot, you drop your ball, you can place it however you like. It was me against two other guys, all the guys who had bogeyed the hole. And everyone who's not chipping has to turn their back. So you're not allowed to look at the other guy's chips. Stop. The first guy goes, they measure the distance from the hole to where your ball ends up. And then the next guy goes and the following guy Do goes. Do they announce it? They don't, they don't say a word? Won't say anything because they don't want to give an advantage to the people who go last. And then at the end, wow. they'll say he was eliminated. So in this case, I duffed the chip, so I was eliminated. <laughs> and your, your dad didn't get your dad didn't get a shot. No, because it was my shot. It's alternate shot. Oh so my god! I was the one who had to chip this after he made the the third putt. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> A horse? How'd you find it? You just find it through like the USGA or something or what? Yeah. So th this one was through our club, but I'm sure there are USGA events where they have net tournaments and then you have a little playoff round at the end. Wow. But that's so yeah. fun, dude. I mean, alternate shot is like slept on. 
Like, obviously, it's great to play your own ball and to, like, get a score. That's, like, I guess the point of golf. But, like, alternate shot is so fun. I mean, it can, granted, it can be wildly frustrating at the same time. But alternate shot is so much fun. Because it's, like, the true – it's, like – it's the only time in golf where it's truly, truly like a team game. <laughs> um, so it's it's a ton of fun, especially if like, you know, if you have two golfers that are, you know, competent golfers, I'll say. I mean, alternate shot is basically fuck your buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hit it into the water, he's got to drop and hit the next shot. You hit a lag putt 15 feet by the hole, he's got to clean up for you. So. It, it gets a little little dicey mentally trying to keep it together at some points. I know my dad. And is it just uh, just eighteen holes? Just eighteen holes. Yeah, I hit two balls out of bounds in one of our rounds, so <laughs> that, that was pretty tough for him to deal with. Brutal. Wait. So one one technical question on alternate shot. Let's say you hit the ball out of bounds. Do you hit the provisional or does your dad hit the provisional? <laughs> No, my dad hit the provisional. So, Dude, or sorry, that's, provisional, and we knew it was out of bounds. So he had to hit the next shot. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. We'll wrap up there, man. That was a great story. Thank you, Lane, so much for coming on. This was a blast. I think we'll have to make you a uh, recurring guest. I have a feeling people are going to be very, very interested by your your story from, from you know, somewhat not playing before all the way down to three in a roughly three year span i think people are going to eat that up so we'll have to get you back on maybe we'll take some uh some mailbag questions if we if we get any um but really appreciate it lane thank you so much thanks everybody for listening and and have a, have a good day everybody sounds great thanks no